As we uh, start up this morning, I, I believe that the, uh, the Lord's got something for us and something to do today that's kingdom business, kingdom business this morning, okay? So, um, so don't tune out, tune in. Uh, I believe the Lord wants us to all participate in one way or another, even if it's just with our faith from our own heart for someone else to uh, be engaged and uh, touch. I believe that when I got saved that there were people praying for me somewhere, I believe, because of what happened, the way that it happened, it, there had to be someone somewhere praying for me to be touched by God, I know. And uh, that weekend that I finally made the decision to get saved, it's like hell threw everything at me to stop me from going through to that Sunday service where I eventually pray that prayer of salvation. And uh, it's just something to think about, isn't it? That uh, there's a, actually an active enemy out there trying to stop us from coming into life, coming into newness of life. And, um, and of course, recognise that we're, we, we don't uh, fight with carnal uh, weapons, but we have spiritual weapons uh, to fight with. And prayer is one of them. Amen. So our um, current series on the advancing Christian, uh, we finally had a name for it. And I told you about that last week, but it's actually an eight-week-long eight or eight-session-long uh, series that we've been into, and it's taken us through many topics. And, uh, and, and last week's topic of sin, repentance, and restoration really fits into a Father's Day message. I didn't really realise just how much that fitted in, but I, could, I think the Lord had a plan on where we're going. And he had us looking at the goodness of God. You know, that great redemptive plan of God for mankind uh, is all about the God of all creation. Our Heavenly Father bringing us and, and bringing lost mankind back into relationship with him. And uh, what a faithful God we serve. And I love, I mentioned, I'll give it another plug, the DE teaching, DE1 teaching uh, that we're uh, stepping into is available online. The first one is about eternal life. And it plugs relationship, uh, which is what we do, which is what we believe, is, is that you know, when you're talking about eternal life, you're talking about relationship with God, and we need to step into it. And the Bible says, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. It's talking about relationship. Our Heavenly Father bringing lost mankind back into relationship with him. What a faithful God we serve. Amen. What a faithful God. His goodness continues to shine through. What a fitting topic for Father's Day, is that we be talking about that. Psalm 39 and verse 19, it says, Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you, in the presence of the sons of men. And um, that we would be engaged in that goodness of God, you know, that we would be engaged as a people and, and relate to that and relate to him according to his goodness. And... Um, not that he's trying to hold back from us or, or, or holding something from us. He's trying to uh, torture us in some way, but that he's just a good God and we just need to align ourselves with faith to him. Let's recognise that when we come to Jesus and get saved, repentance is a part of our born-again experience and, and also a part of all, you know, as much as it's a part of our initial experience, it's also part of our ongoing um, uh, experience. If you have been in... Uh, Christ for you know 10 15 years or five years and you haven't repented and the last time you repented was when you got saved I think you're overdue you know to maybe hop into that area a little bit and do a little bit of repentance and just sort of pick some areas that we need to change your mind in and um, 
Because repentance is a change of our minds. Uh, but we, we are to go on in a lifestyle of repentance and uh, changing our minds, renewing our minds, always ready to the Lord, you know, for the Lord to correct us. You know. It's because we do make mistakes. It would be pretty perfect, but we all still make mistakes. We all still you know, need some areas where we need to uh, change our minds, renew our minds to God's will. And I'll just look at it again in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 to 2. It says there, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but look what it says there, underlined, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's repentance, isn't it? You know, it's that changing your mind, that, that renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Great discovery in our lives is when we start getting a hold of that, that, those truths. There we were, me and my friends. You know, we're all in our uh, late teens and early 20s, and there was a whole row of us in that church where we seemed to have just been swept up by the loving arm of God and pulled out of our, our drug culture experience and there was a whole row of us, you know, that had all come from, we all knew each other from, from the crew and people that were in sort of connected social groups and, and God called us all out. And, uh, you know, we'd, we'd um, come out and, of course, we were new to church, we were new to singing choruses and hymns. Back in those days, it came out of the Elam chorus book and a hymnal and we would, you know, select the songs, the songs were up on the board there and we sung along and... We thought it was so daggy what they were doing. But, you know, the amazing thing was, was that we had had an encounter with a living God and each one of us could not deny the power that had affected our lives and turned us around. And boy, I tell you, church, we need to be after that. Because if, we're, if all we're about is the pie in the sky, we've got to stop and ask ourselves, is that going to reach anyone? We've got to have some steak on the plate. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? We're going to have some steak on the plate. <laughs> because people, you know, uh, uh, honestly, we need to have some power. Amen? We need to have some power available. And the power that I saw in that whole row of us well, sitting down there is because God had encountered our lives and changed us. Changed us from the inside out. And we were sitting there moved by that. Not by the hymnal or, the, you know, the Elam Chorus book or any of those things. That was just a part of the training for us as we continued to give attention to what was being said from the front. And, of course, the teaching, and I'm, and I'm sure uh, the, the pastors that were there at the time were, were just as amazed, just as amazed at the, um, at the, uh, the, uh, uh, the a life-giving experience that seemed to be going on in that church at the time. And, uh, and, and the people that have been there for 10, 5, you know, maybe even 20 years, uh, sitting there going, what's God doing? Because they couldn't work it out themselves. So all these druggies were coming in and getting saved and, you know, having addictions broken off their life. It was powerful, you know. Let's not be satisfied pie in the sky. You know, one day you'll experience it. Let's have some steak on the plate. Let's step in for that. And it's as we... Uh, work up and, and, and get to that place of working our faith that we get some stake on the plate. Amen? Praise the Lord. You know, we um, uh, were in the process of renewing our minds to the Word of God. That's what we gave ourselves to. 
say, you know, week after week, we would sit under two, three, three, three Bible studies a week and just renewing our mind, you know, just coming to that place where we were learning some things about the Word of God, learning some, some, some natural things and, and, uh, and, and some things that were supernatural as well as, as, as the Lord uh, impacted our hearts with those truths. You know, the, the truth is, is that renewing of the mind doesn't come in a prayer line. I wish it was. I'd invite everybody down and just give you some. You know, just here, have some of that, have some of that. And we love the anointing and the way that it works, but, but you know, that uh, renewing of the mind comes as we actually give ourselves to the Word of God and, and study the Word of God and actually realise that we need training, that we need teaching. And um, perhaps some online training as well, you know, because that can work as well, and particularly in the convenience of your own time and when you're ready. It should, it, you know, if we should be uh, convinced of anything as we continue on with our walk with the Lord, uh, as we walk out our salvation, is that we walk with a good God. And uh, he's devoted to having us close, heart-to-heart connection. He wants us in fellowship. And we've got to recognise the things in our own life that prevent us from having close fellowship with him. You know, um, I, I shared with a couple this morning that... Um, I was awake at 1.30 this morning. I know the people that are talking about that are up early this morning as well. And, um, and uh, you know, the Lord, uh, I, I spent a little bit of time praying and next thing you know, I had a little, a little rhyme in my heart. And uh, it was pretty good. And it was just for me. It wasn't for anyone else. It was just for me, just ministering to my heart. And uh, I knew it was the Lord because I know that at 1.30 in the morning, I'm not that creative, you know. And uh, it was just the Lord just, just, just ministering and just giving me something to, to uh, uh, remind, maybe a little rhyme that I can have going in my heart. And uh, he's that good, amen? He knows what you need. He knows what your needs are. And if you would just draw near, he'll draw near to you, amen? If we sin, if we miss it, he has forgiveness for us. His mercies are new, the Bible says, every morning. If we go off in the wrong direction, repentance means that we turn back to him. That we turn back to him. We're going in this direction, we go, oh, I'm going in the wrong direction, and we just turn back. And he's there to receive us. He's ready to, he's ready to you know, uh, um, uh, receive us back into his embrace and his loving care. If we say we have repented and there is no change in direction... It means that repentance hasn't actually occurred. There's no repentance. That's sad but true. There needs to be a change in directions when we repent. And, you know, it's not just about receiving forgiveness for what we've done so that we can keep doing it. Repentance is I changed my mind about doing that. I'm not going to do that anymore. And you watch, when you start to live that lifestyle, you find the power of God turning up to help you break free of those addictions and those, you know, those burdens. As I said, you know, very early in my Christian life, I prayed about um, stopping smoking. Uh, the church I was in, they're very big on that. They wanted to give you a little uh, encouragement. If they could smell smoke on you, they'd pull you aside, you know. You're still smoking, you know. You only go... Yes. <laughs> sort of a little bit scared at the elder confronting you over something you shouldn't be doing. And, uh, and uh, I remember the one that spoke to me and he just said, well, uh, you should pray about giving that up. I said, well, I'm very good at giving up. I do it all the time. <laughs> and he sort of smiled and he said, no, I mean, really give it up once and for all. And, uh, and so he said, just pray, just pray about it. And I, I took it as a challenge, you know, at the time. I thought, yeah, I'll just, pr I'll pr probably one of my first prayer, you know, things. And, 
And it was an addiction in my life, and obviously I had other you know, things going on as well that I thought were bigger than that. But he focused on that and showed me if I just prayed. And I prayed the simple prayer, Lord, uh, I'm not very good at doing, uh, uh, giving up cigarette smoking, but I know you can help me, so please take this off me. And it was like, take it off me, was the, was the, the, the part that the Lord heard. And I tell you, it was like that. It was like that. The next day, I actually threw my cigarettes away. And the next day, I was, I was a non-smoker. It's like there were no withdrawal symptoms. There was no cravings. There was none of that. It was just taken away. What's that? <laughs> that steak on the plate. It's not pie in the sky, you know. So we need to be a people that are after that. You know, if the direction continues, wrong direction, it becomes wrong pathway. Repentance is always the key to overcoming, changing our mind first of all. Oh, I've done wrong. Oh, I need to get rid of that out of my life. I need to stop doing that. I need to give that up, you know. Repentance is that change of mind, change of direction. And then you, you, put, you put wheels on it by praying and saying, Lord, help me with this. I can't do this by myself, you see. If you think it's going to be you and your willpower, guess what? God's not going to get any glory. We need to give the Lord the glory. So we pray and say, Lord, I'm, I'm just going to cease doing this and I need your help. Please help me, Lord. Amen. Look what it says in uh, Proverbs 10 and verse 17. It says there, He who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. And that's really what I want to talk about. When we turn off from the way of life and stay there by refusing instruction, by preferring compromise over repentance, when we choose the ways of the flesh over the ways of the spirit, and stay on that path, what happens is our soft hearts, okay, our soft hearts begin to harden. And, uh, you know, it, it's what I call the hard path. And that's if we're thinking of those family members, those ones who have turned away and, you know, uh, you'd, you'd hope that they were still walking with the Lord and you're believing for them and saying, Lord, keep them safe and all those things. Do that for sure. But why don't we pray that they have a fresh encounter with God? Why don't we pray that there be a turning of their hearts? I, th I think right now, as I'm talking about AA, amen? She wasn't down there for church. She was down there for study. But God says, I'll have you in church too, you know. And he got her right where he needed to get her, amen? Mum and dad sitting there going, knowing exactly what happened. And we all know the testimony. Mar now married to a, a godly Christian man who's hot for God. You know, and uh, I think he's glad that uh, AA came down to study, you know. Praise the Lord. It's good to have a testimony. And, and again, that was steak on the plate, not pie in the sky. You know, the thing about the hard path is the enemy is all over it. That's what you've got to watch out for. He comes to rob, kill and destroy them. The enemy comes. And I know that encounter with AA, that's, that was a pivotal moment where she, what she was going through. Amen. The enemy was trying to take her life. And uh, the works of darkness, um, the deceiving, the lying, uh, Jesus taught about the seed that lands on the wayside, you know, the hard path. Uh, in the parable of the sower, he said, Satan comes immediately 
to take away the seed. You know, to take that word away. Whatever that word that was sown in their life originally gets taken away and does not produce the fruit in our lives. And I'll just show you in Mark chapter 4 where that's being spoken about the gospel uh, of Mark and of course the parable of the sower in verse 14 and 15. It says that the farmer sows the word and some are like the seeds along the path where the word is sown and as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in their heart. You know, it's, it's, you know, this is serious business, isn't it? You know, our best approach to staying on the pathway of life is to keep hearing the word of God. The parable of the prodigal son, we looked at it last week. It gives us all a realisation that if we ever go off from God's pathway for our own lives, we have a heavenly father that's good. That remains ready to receive us again. And that's what we saw. If we see the parable in the same chapter, the parable of the lost coin and the lost sheep in context, we see that the Lord is 100% committed to seeing us restored. That's what you see in those uh, three parables if we head off in the wrong direction. But, you know, we did talk about it just briefly and I just want to touch in on it again just so you can get a clarity on this. But there is a point of no return. Um, we saw that last week. The Christian that stays on the wrong track develops a hardened heart. It's not something that happens quickly. It's a, it's a, it's a slow process. The one that falls away is the one that no longer believes in Jesus as Lord and Saviour. The person who denies Jesus. Not just the one that stumbles in sin, someone who's struggling with sin, someone who's you know, struggling to overcome sin. We're not talking about that. And of course you can read Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 4 or listen to last week's podcast where we make the contrast between the backslidden Christian, the one that's struggling and you know, wants to do the right thing but struggles and is compromising and you know, with those that fall away. There's a difference. And let's just look again at the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, before he went off, the prodigal was a member of the family, just like the, co the coin had been a part of the purse and the sheep had been a part of the flock. See that. We need to see that. So we have to see that the context of the whole of chapter 15 of the Gospel of Luke is restoration and repentance to what was already there. And of course, that is available to backsliders, not those that fall away. And we made that very clear distinction. And we looked at the verses there in Hebrews 6, 4, and you can look for yourself. But look at Luke chapter 15 and verse 11. It says, then he said, a certain man, just talking about Jesus, then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the young, man, uh, the young son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Prodigal living is wasteful living, all right? Just, just blew it all, bit by bit, you know? First class everything, you know? If he's going to go anywhere in a taxi, it's going to be a limousine. You know, he just, just had the money to spend and took off with it. You know, I heard a pastor say that 
who worked with backslidden Christians uh, in a rehab situation. I, and, and I heard him say this, backslidden Christians are the most miserable people in the world. And he worked with enough of them to, to have observed this. Because they knew they were missing out on something that they had previously experienced. They knew they were missing out on that. They'd already seen that God was good. And they knew that they were compromising and not experiencing that. They'd already been spoiled, he said. But in serving sin, it never truly satisfied. Deep down, they knew that God's way was better. Amen. So the prodigal son comes to the point where he knew that the way he was going was not leading to life, but actually leading to death. And the ways of the flesh, let's face it, are initially, you know, have an immediate satisfying uh, 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 sensation to it. But what we have to recognise, it's a pathway to destruction. And the, the Christian who is struggling with sin is not denying Jesus. They're just being weak in their faith. And of course, these two positions are contrasted so very well for us in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 11. And it says, this is a faithful saying. For if we died with him, that's us, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. Amen. Look what it says. If we deny him, he will also deny us. Very clear. But look what verse 13 says. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Get that. He cannot deny himself. Good verse. Uh, Verse 13, and you can just see it there. Verse 13 uh, from the Young's literal translation says this. If we are not steadfast, he remains steadfast. To deny himself, he is not able. He's just not able to deny himself. If he remains, you know, if, if, if we are not steadfast, and hey, I've been there, you know, and he didn't slap me down. He caught, me, he caught my attention again with love. Just, just not letting, just not letting me go down that hard path. Amen? Where the heart hardens. A born-again Christian, either continuing in sin through ignorance or struggling to break free of sin, they don't need anyone pointing the finger at them in judgment. They actually need restoration. They need someone who will pray for them. Come on, you know, let's face it. Mercy triumphs over judgment. That's what the scripture says. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And God's hand and heart is extended to our loved ones who are not walking in the way that they should. And we ought to be the ones that are praying hard, just not letting it go, not giving up, not looking at the circumstances, saying, oh, well, look what they just said. They don't even, not even close to having an encounter. Well, if anyone saw my life when I got saved, I wasn't anywhere close to looking like I was going to get saved anytime soon. I was the most irreligious person you could find on the street, you know. I, had my, I told my sister off. I was living, I'll tell you a little testimony. I was living with my sister. And um, she sometimes reminds me about this at Christmas dinners and things. And uh, she was single. And I might say quite a nice looking uh, woman of uh, the age she was, 25 years of age. And um, in the local area, you know, it got to be known that there's this brother and a sister living together in this house. And, of course, I was about my life and she was about her life. And 
she uh, happened to make some friendships with some of the local police. And, uh, and she had the police coming over for visits. And I said to her, I said, don't do that, you know. Please don't do that. Don't invite them over to the house. And what she didn't know was behind the brick wall, when they would come over to talk to, to, to her over the brick wall, just a little bit down, behind a little slip, I had some stuff I didn't want them seeing. <laughs> I know, that might come as a bit of a shock to you. But I did. And I'm going, you know, like, like you know, please don't do that, I would say to her, you know. So she understood. And... Um, and I say, just after that, and in that house, that same house, where I was the most irreligious person on the street, God caught me. And I had my stake on the plate, you know. It wasn't just a promise of someone saying, you can be saved. I got saved. And I had the experience, and it was life-changing. And um, I praise God for it continually. I know we're going a little bit late this morning, but it won't be brunch, it'll be lunch, okay? <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 30, we just read this as well. It says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life. We get the inside tip on what we should choose. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. And that you may love the Lord your God, obey him and, and hold fast to him. For he is your life and he will pro prolong your life in the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. To Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He's a multi-generational God. You know, grandfather, son and, and, uh, and his son. Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He's a God of families. He's a God of generations. Let's just get back to the prodigal son and we'll finish this morning. It says in verse, uh, uh, chapter 15 and verse 14, it says, But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. And then in... Um, in um, verse 17, it says, but when he came to himself, he said, you know, and that's the point of repentance, okay? Just remember, that's the point of repentance when you come to yourself. That's the change in mind. And notice, that that's the point the prodigal son got to. He changes direction as well. How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to, to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and he will, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Thanks, Brenna. The Father's heart to restore is clear in Scripture. And our restoration is never to a lesser position, a lesser standing. And guess what? We don't have to do penance. We don't have to do 500 lines. I will not, I will not ever do that. How many of you ever did 100, you know, 100 lines, 500 lines? I will never do that again. I'll never do that again. We don't have to do that. I don't know that you're allowed to do that in school anymore. Uh, do you die? No, no, that's, that's done and dusted. Well, in my day, they threw dusters at you, actually. So, so if you were messing up, you know, you get a clunk in the head of a duster being thrown across the room. But those days are gone. 
But I remember standing in the naughty corner, in the bin, actually. Get the bin and go and stand in that corner there and face the wall, you know, and that, you know, my, my first day at school, I think, was my, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> and I want to read this because this, this is very important to, to see. In Luke chapter 15, 20 to verse 24, and it says, And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, boy, that's where our kids are and, you know, our, our family members. They're still a way off. Don't give up on them. Keep praying, church. When he was still a great way off, he saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against you and in your sight and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. <clears throat> Remember, our worthiness is always based on his work upon the cross. Don't ever forget that. Always. You know, he became sin that we might become his righteousness. Verse 22. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He is lost and is found. And they began to be merry and they partied. Restoration that follows repentance is always a restoration to our original inheritance, what God had for us all the time. And I would like everyone who prays for and knows of a family member who is a Christian that has walked away from the Lord, apparently walked away from Him, they've attracted in, a, you know, in another direction. Could I just get you to stand to your feet? Just right now, just all just stand to your feet. If you're believing for a family member, there's so many of us. Got so much work to do, so many of us, as we start to consider those lost ones. There may even be some among us who are those lost ones, you know, who are back in church today because they've been called by God, you know, to be back in church. And we're all going to pray together for them pray a prayer of repentance and a prayer of restoration to occur in their lives and if you've got lost ones in your family throw them in there as well because God is so good that he wants to reach them his heart is so big and so able to touch their lives because we pray today amen because we pray today for them so let's do it let's do it with meaning and and, and thank the Lord Father we thank you that you're a God of salvation today, Lord God. Lord, we thank you for that. For those ones that we're thinking of now that maybe don't even know you, Lord. Lord, we pray for them first of all, Lord. Lord, they would be um, caught and brought back, Father God, from the lies of the enemy. Brought to a place of faith. Brought to a place of believing in their heart and confessing with their mouth the Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray for those ones together. And we pray, even if we, we can't think of anyone, we pray for those ones that are in here who are thinking of someone, Lord. 
Lord, we want to be about the business of heaven and populating heaven. God, Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, today we bring those ones that have walked off on a hard path. We pray for their hearts to be softened again if it's become hardened. We pray, Lord, that it would be softened and that, Lord, that there would be a, a recognition and a sensing and a knowing, Lord God, that you're on their job, that you're with them, that you're coming after them, Lord, and that you haven't forsaken them, Lord. Lord, let them be restored, we ask in Jesus' name. Let repentance bring about restoration. Let there be a change of direction, Father God. Like they were the lost coin, Father God, we pray for them. We go looking for them. Like they were the lost sheep, Lord God, we know you go uh, looking for them and bringing them back. And Father, just like, just like the prodigal son, your arms are ever open. You're ever ready to receive them and rejoice as the angels of heaven rejoice with us, Father. Lord, we pray right now, Lord. We pray and we see a party being thrown, Lord. Every single one of us, Lord, lifting up those ones in Jesus' name. And we give you thanks and praise today, Lord, that, that you'd work that this Father's Day from this moment forward, Lord, afresh in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.